Hello everyone, I'm Sharon Feeler and I have Beth Chesterton with me today. We're with ABC to CEO and we're glad to have you join us for a new possibility podcast offering guidance and advice on the possibility of someday becoming a CEO. And joining us today is Lisa Nichols, an entrepreneurial woman along with her husband who created an organization called Technology Partners. So Lisa and her husband took this idea of leading a company and made your own company, and you are the CEO of it today. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you made you create this, the journey. Mm -hmm. Well, we're originally from Kentucky, so you probably detect a little bit of a Southern accent, but we, my husband and I, were at the same college, university in Kentucky, and we were recruited by McDonnell Douglas, which many of the St. Louis and people know of McDonnell Douglas, but we were recruited right out of college to work for Mac. And I came from an accounting background, education-wise, so I have a bachelor's in accounting, and my husband was a software engineer. I practiced corporate accounting for about five and a half years and then decided I want to be doing something a little bit different. So I didn't I, know that about you. <laughs> yeah. I I sure did. I have an accounting degree, and um, about after five and a half years, I decided to make the move over to corporate sales with another Fortune 500 company, and I did that for several years, and then um, twenty almost 25 years ago, it will be 25 years in May, we decided to jump on the entrepreneurial wagon, and we said, let's combine our individual strengths and form a company. And that's what we did, and we feel incredibly blessed to have made it this this far. Wow, so 25 years. <laughs> 25 years in May. Wow. So we've seen lots of evolution with the company over I'm the I'm sure you have years. in the technology business. Oh, yes. What was good yesterday is not good today, right? right. <laughs> so you well, have to be very agile. So when you think back on starting this company, what do you think were experiences you had as a teenager and maybe in your college years and even early career that that kind of gave you some foundation for being able to do this? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question and one that I can answer easily. I was seven years old, and I decided I really loved flowers growing up. So when I was about seven years old, now my parents, we grew up in rural Kentucky. My parents had land, and we had humongous vegetable gardens. But I loved flowers. We didn't have any flowers, but our next-door neighbors, the Smiths, had lots of flowers. (laughs) They had tulips and jonquils and roses. They had things blooming all the time. So one day I thought, well, I really like flowers. I bet other people like flowers, too. So I decided I would go into the flower business. At seven. At seven. (laughs) And I took my little, you remember the little red radio flyer wagons? Right. Pulled my little wagon over to the Smiths' house. And I took straight pins, I pulled off all the yellow blooms off of their jonquils. Did they know you were doing this? No, they did not. <laughs> In fact, nobody knew that I was doing this, okay? So then I stuck straight pins in the flowers, and I went about the neighbors selling my wares as corsages. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> For a quarter apiece. And I was pretty happy with myself because I thought, wow, you know, I just created this company out of thin air and and a few flowers from my neighbor's garden. So I tell the story. It's funny. I really thought I was, you know, big time until my dad found out what I had done. 
And that was probably one of the first leadership lessons that I had, that sometimes you have to do really hard things <laughs> because, it, you first of all, you have to go back to the Smith's house. You have to knock on the door, and you have to apologize to them for stealing their flowers. <laughs> you know, this apology thing, we have a lot of in the people yes. we interview. We, <laughs> so we, we've interviewed a number of people who had to go, as children, had to go back to apologize to adults for kind of being for a little too aggressive. Aggressive? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, so that was interesting. So I I think I just grew up like wanting to do that. My dad owned his own business. So I had he also he worked two jobs. So he owned his own business, but then he was a plant manager at um at a large company there in Calvert City, uh Kentucky. And so I watched my dad do that and he'd always say, you know, if you can work for yourself. You know, he would always say that. And I saw the flexibility that he had, you know, that he worked when he wanted to. He took the clients that he wanted to take, that sort of thing. And then when we were in college, I mean, Greg and I were very like-minded in that way because he started several businesses when we were still in college. And uh, I was a smart girl. I knew this guy was going somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this guy is going to do something. He's going to do something big. And... um, So really, you know, but I'm so glad we had the corporate experience. I mean, we both started our careers at McDonnell Douglas, and wow, I cannot say enough good things about the training that we had. And Greg was a software engineer, and I always say McDonnell Douglas was not on the leading edge. They were on the bleeding edge, really, of Mm -hmm. technology. And in fact, I was just at a meeting this morning talking about artificial intelligence. And you hear in technology, you hear blockchain, you hear AI, machine learning, all these things. And it all seems new. It's not new. I mean, 35 years ago, McDonnell Douglas was using artificial intelligence in their scheduling systems Mm -hmm. and actually sent Greg to get a degree in AI from WashU. And, um, yeah. And so it was just, wow. I mean, the experience that we, the foundation that we got there was just, can't, can't replace that. So So, great. So the combination of your own kind of, you're seeing your dad have his own business, you wanting to make money and then getting kind of a great, great experience in the corporate world Mm -hmm. launched you to this. So did you ever, so you saw yourself at an early age kind of being the leader of a company. I I don't know that I really thought of myself as a leader. I was a leader. I was a leader in school. Um, you know, I was I took on roles like the president of my junior and senior year in high school. And that's what I would say. Take those opportunities. If you have um a propensity or if you have a um, you know, a desire to lead people, take every opportunity you have to say, I, you know, I'll be the chair of that. Yeah. Put your you hand know, up. For put everything. your hand up. Right. Because people can't read your mind. Right. But you can learn a lot just from that. I, I remember starting, um, this is funny. I haven't thought about this in a while, but I can remember starting a bike club when I was, I don't know how old I was, but we had dues and we, we made everybody pay their dues. I don't even really know what the value proposition was, though. If I, I'm really I don't know trying if we to. Knew that I don't back think then. we knew that back then, but we did have everyone pay dues, and we put it in a mason jar and we buried it in the ground. It's probably somewhere now, you know, with I don't know fifty cents in it or something. But um, 
Yeah, I think I always kind of had that desire to right. lead, mm-hmm. even at a very early age. Yeah, so. well, I remember when I was young, it brings up a story. I remember my neighbor and I, and I wanted to make money. And so we put together this little play, including acrobats, and we ran around the neighborhood <laughs> on our bikes, <laughs> sold tickets for 10 cents each. And uh, we had people, young kids came with their 10 cents and and that's how we made money on our little show. Right. But you learned a little yeah, bit from that, did. didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, you was, know, economics was, 101. It was first <laughs> these, the production of the little show. Yes. And then it was the marketing and selling of the tickets and then actual performance and mm-hmm. and then dividing up the money at the end. It was it was quite good. Both it, Greg and I grew up with a very competitive spirit. So you guys remember like selling pecan logs and things like that in school no. to raise money. Did oh, you yeah, ever yeah, sell pecan the, logs? Right. We had 4-H. We did stuff 4-H, like that. 4-H, yes. Yeah. So I remember every time we would have those fundraisers, I wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> and I would sell the most pecan logs. Wow. So, and then Greg grew up with sports and just grew up being a very competitive person. Um, so I think some of those traits were just kind of right. from an so early age. So being a CEO mm-hmm. today, what... What surprises you about being a CEO that you'd like to tell people in advance, if you do this, either beware or this is wonderful? Mm-hmm. What are kind of some of the, the things that, that, that you've learned about it being different than maybe you would have envisioned? Mm-hmm. That I don't know much. <laughs> Interesting. As I've gotten older, I'm like, wow, I just don't know that much. Uh, but the one thing that I would say I think is really important is, you know, we talk about IQ, we talk about EQ, those things are very important. But I've got something that I call GQ, and I'm not talking about gentlemen's quarterly. <laughs> <laughs> I am talking about the growth quotient. And that is your composite of who you are and your propensity to want to grow. And I think that that is one of the foundational aspects. If you are a person that has a propensity to want to grow and want to learn, you can move the needle on your EQ. You can move the needle. I mean, IQ is pretty set, but say you get into a situation where you're like, I need a little bit more financial literacy. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand the PL and the balance sheet and the cash flow statement. You can go and learn those things. You can move the needle on those things. And so I know for myself, and Greg is the same way, if you look at our office, we've got a whole wall of just books. I mean, we are both just, we love to learn. We love to grow. And John Maxwell, if you read any of John Maxwell's leadership books and that, he says, when you stop growing, you die. Interesting. And I really do believe that. So what book are you reading right now? Oh, goodness. I'm reading several. Um, I'm trying to, I just finished Michael Hyatt's Living Forward, which was just a phenomenal read. Um, What else do I have? Uh, Finished Atomic Habits which is a really good book. I've got I've got a list, list. of them. Yes, yeah. I yeah. do. I do. I've got a list and and I'm I'm pretty bad about reading multiple ones at the same time. <laughs> you mean you but do it? I do it. I do it. Yeah, and I you know, you you really do need to I I say it's not just about the next great read and breezing through that. It's about really taking what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Figuring out how you can practice right. and apply things, but I just know in my own life um, that 
looking at different aspects of my life and saying, okay, this is an area I really do need to grow in. And well, that's great. So constant mm-hmm. growing is something constant that growing. You know, be a lifelong know. learner. That's mm-hmm. what I would say to mm-hmm. any young mm-hmm. person, be a student your whole life. Now, the other thing that I do say is that, you know, you really, I, I, somebody that I just dearly, dearly love and respect was in St. Louis. He lives in Atlanta and he was in St. Louis last year and he is a speaker. He's an international speaker and author and his team had said, he's going to be here for four days. Can you help get him booked? And I did. <laughs> I got him booked with several speaking engagements with different groups. And But Friday night, I had reserved. We have a little recreational barn, um, Greg and I do, and our family. And so I'd reserved Friday night for millennials because I love millennials. I have three millennials of my own. And we, I reserved that night for them, and I was so excited for them to get to meet this amazing person that I've just come to love and just, just love him. He's an amazing teacher. And so I'm playing hostess, and one of the things that he said that just like hit me like right between the eyes, he said, when you decide to stay where you are, someone in your life will get hurt. And what he meant by that was your employees, the people that you have influence over, whether that's your family, whether that's, you know, the community, if you do not continue to grow, they need you to be the best version of yourself. And yeah, yeah, and somebody is going to get hurt because you're not moving, moving Mm -hmm. and that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just, I started crying and here I am the hostess for this thing. And it just really got me thinking about all the different people that are important to me, our employees here and our family and our children. And we have a grandson and just am I the best version of myself that I can be for that person, that person, that person. What a great perspective. Oh, yeah. It's very simple. Right. But profound. Yeah. So you've worked with a lot of women. You've seen young mm-hmm. women. You've seen mid-career women and women like me who are now post-career. So what are some of the pitfalls you think women sometimes get themselves into that keeps them from moving forward? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know we've got, you know, very few CEO women in this world, um, in this country, and what do you think some of the pitfalls for women who maybe would like to aspire to that level? Can you, mm-hmm. Do you see something you can share? Well, one thing that comes to mind is lack of confidence. Mm. And there are so many studies out there that there is a job that's posted, and there's maybe 10 requirements of that job. And no offense to men, but they may have two of those qualifications. <laughs> and they'll say, yeah, I'm going to put my name in the hat. And a woman's like, if I don't have 80%. I'm not going to even try. I'm not even going to try. And here again is where I'm going to go back to the growth quotient. You can fill in those gaps. You can. I mean, I think really what's important is for you to understand what your strengths are. I'm a big believer in working from your strength zones. Working from your strength zones and then having the humility 
to say, I'm not very good at that. So I need to lean in to someone else or Mm -hmm. I need to surround myself. But I think lack of confidence. Um, I also would say, you know, you got to have courage. You've got to have courage because Sharon, you said it earlier, raise your hand. It takes courage to do that. Um, I once had a friend say, you know, one of her secrets to success was really raising her hand for the things that nobody else wanted. Wanted, yeah. <laughs> Which really seems like an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would I want to raise my hand for this failing division over here? But if you will do that, people will take notice. Your superiors will take notice of that. Um, so I would say lack of confidence, courage. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. would be two big ones. Yeah. But yeah. I always, I always say confidence, but not hubris. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a big difference. Right. So nobody wants to be around a hubris person, right? Especially a hubris woman. <laughs> <laughs> so having humility, I always say, always be kind. You don't have to be. When when we think about women, a lot of times women think I have to act like my male counterpart, and. When that happens, you lose the beautiful diversity. And who you are genuinely. And who you are genuinely. Yeah. So you don't have yeah. to be brash. You don't have to be unkind. And right. Yeah. There's there's more than one kind of leader out there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to emulate what you see. You just got to be your own leader. Absolutely. And yeah. be the best version of yourself. That's right. Yeah. So given you've been in business 25 years now, in your own business, you and Greg, um, what do you see is different in the world today that you would need to be attentive to if you started over today? Mm, that is a good question. One of the things that I would say, and this is something I will just be very candid and honest with you, I struggle with still sometimes. There is more information. There's more good stuff out there than there ever has been. We have information. I, in my inbox, I have things coming to me every day. Listen to this webinar. you got to go take this class. you got to listen to this person. And that is, goodness, I mean, I, I'm dating myself, but we really didn't even have the internet mm-hmm. right. <laughs> when we started. So- we are an IT, we started as an IT staffing company. We would fax over resumes, you know, and it was all in a file drawer, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's so different today. But I think the amount of information, so I would say, you know, there's always a good, there's a better and a best. Mm -hmm. And having the discernment to decide the best, because there's a lot of good things out there that you can do, but we all know that that's a dilution of your energy, your effort, your resources, so I think having that discernment oh. about what it is. Really yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have daughters. Mm-hmm. You have a son, too. Yeah, I do. Um, so if you were going to give advice, and, and your children are in their 20s. They are. So if you're going to give advice today to parents raising younger girls, do you have any Anything you would say to them that you think might help them on this path to becoming a, uh, becoming a leader and mm-hmm. you know, even the leader, the CEO right. someday? Do you have advice to give parents? I do. And this is very close to my heart because 
I would say what your children need from you more than anything is they need your love and they need unconditional love. So sometimes we as parents think that our children should follow the same path. But here's the deal. They are not you. They are their own unique people. And I would say love them for who they are. So our daughter, we don't really have anybody in our family that went into healthcare, but she wants to, you know, she wanted to be a nurse. We would love to have had somebody... We would love to have a succession plan for technology mm-hmm. partners and one of them to want to do that. But I would say love them for who they are and the way that they're bent. They're not you, so don't try to make them you. Mm-hmm. But encourage them in the way they see themselves. And I would say that that is... But also just encourage them to have the confidence that they can do. Right. Whatever they whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And the most beautiful thing is when you can marry what a child's passion is with what their sense of purpose. So they may have a passion, they may have a skill set for a certain thing, um, but where they see themselves, and and that's just that's a beautiful place to be when you can find that intersection. Yeah, that's help it. your children, guide them. You're guiding them. You're coaching them. You're always coaching. Right. Always coaching. But the unconditional love, regardless of which direction they take. It's imperative. They have to know that you're in their corner. Right. No matter what direction they decide. Beth, other things you want to hear from Lisa? There are two things I was wondering about. One is, Lisa, obviously, anybody who's listening can tell you have an amazing personality and you're so warm. You connect so easily with others. And you also mentioned an interest in lifelong learning. What do you think your other strengths are that have helped you to be so successful? Like even innate strengths. Right? Definitely connectedness. I mean, I've done my strength finder. I've done all my assessments. Mm-hmm. I would encourage any young girls out there, take advantage of every assessment that you can take advantage of. Mm-hmm. I always say when I went through school, we didn't have Berkman. We didn't have DISC. We didn't have, we didn't have any of those things. Mm-hmm. So... I think really it's important to understand yourself. I do a lot of introspection, mm-hmm. do a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection. And that does not happen, though. And, and I, this is something that I've had to learn that has been difficult for me, is putting boundaries around my time. So my assistant would tell you I'm a lot better today than I was even a few years ago about saying no. Mm-hmm. Because you have got to get, to be introspective, to have that time to really reflect and think on things, You it's what I call think time. And you almost have to plan that. Because if you don't, your your calendar will, yeah, Sharon and I have talked it. about this, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you, somebody else will be dictating your calendar. It needs to be a task like anything else, is it? You know, it needs to it be does. A, a, a meeting, it needs to be a space place on your schedule have a meeting with yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know to reflect and say how am I doing in these areas the other thing that I would say um and this is an area I've grown with with too um my love language is words of affirmation Mm -hmm. so sometimes you know negativity or constructive criticism Ooh, I wasn't always great about receiving that but I would say asking for feedback and being willing to have the humility to go, yeah, I, 
no, that's probably a blind spot. Then and and not on. take it as as something negative, but as an opportunity. An opportunity. Yeah. An opportunity to grow. Right, Sharon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an opportunity to grow. Because I know when I was younger, when someone would give me feedback that was negative, I was like embarrassed that oh my gosh, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not good at this, and my not that my feelings were hurt, but that I just was like. It, it didn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. But you have to kind of change how you look at this. You do. And if you actually, if the person giving it to you is somebody you respect, you should listen because it's an opportunity. It is. And you want people like that in yes, your life. Absolutely. You want people that are going to speak truth right. to you, right? Mm-hmm. So that is really Maybe a be- gentle truth. A but- gentle truth. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, because it's not fun. Yeah. It's not always fun to get that. But, no, it's not. No. But I call it blind spots, mm-hmm. and everybody has them. And, you know, there may be things in your life that you don't even, oh, you're not even aware mm-hmm. that you do. I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, yesterday morning, who is coaching somebody. And um, he was telling me about, you know, he said, I just kind of know would like to know what you think about how I should tell her this. And so he was going through it, and I said, how old is this person? And he said, well, probably late 40s. And I'm like, no one has ever told her this before? And he's like, I don't know. He said, I'm just coming into this situation. But it's like, I can't believe somebody could get into their late 40s and have these blind Mm -hmm. spots brought to their attention Mm -hmm. for the first time. Mm -hmm. So either they're ignoring Mm -hmm. what's being told to them, or people aren't being honest in right. saying it. Right, And it could be either or. Yeah, and so sometimes mm-hmm. you really need to seek it out because mm-hmm. giving the feedback is not always easy either. Mm-hmm. So It's not easy. Yeah, right. So you don't want to hurt their feelings. Right, sometimes you have to be the one, especially if you've got a mentor, mm-hmm. if you've got somebody who's a supporter of yours, mm-hmm. you probably will do yourself a great service if you say, I need you to tell me. Mm-hmm. What what should I be working on here that I'm not? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, another great question is how can I improve? Yeah. Or say, for instance, you're in a meeting, and if you've got that mentor, you can say, was there something that I did or didn't do that you know I should be thinking about? Right. How could I have shown up differently? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome questions to ask. So have we not talked about something you would still like to share? Well, I have a podcast. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about your it's podcast. It's called Something Extra with Lisa Gale Nichols. You can find it on our website. It's under Technology Partners University. But if you go to our website, www.technologypartners.net. Okay. And You'll, what's the uh, the mission of the podcast? It's really a leadership podcast. Very good. So so our listeners can go, in, in addition to our Possibility podcast, they can listen to the Something Extra podcast. That is exactly right. And Wonderful. we'll be promoting your podcast, too. Well, so thank you. <laughs> all right. It's all about learning. Thank you, everybody. And thank, thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. <laughs>